Rosa, we're talking about tough questions that Christians ask. And today on Life Talks, we're going to discuss the granddaddy of them all. It's, it's the biggest one that it's, we all have heard a million one. times. So if God is good, yeah. if God is real, if God loves us, why do bad things happen to good people? Yeah. The nature of evil and suffering today on Life Talks. I'm Dan. I'm with Ben. We're two of the teaching pastors. We are the two teaching pastors at Life Fellowship in suburban Charlotte, North Carolina. Ben, this is the big one. And I, I, I will tell you... I get asked this question all the time. It's usually from people, even people who have faith, but they're suffering. Yeah, yeah. If God loves me, why do I have stage four cancer? Yeah. If God loves me, why did we have a miscarriage? Yeah. If God's a good God, why do these things happen? Yeah, I think it's when this question comes up, there's usually either someone's in a philosophical crisis or they're in a personal crisis, mm -hmm. you know, because a lot of people, when they really start thinking deeply about God, it's important to think through all the, um, you know, they're going through the existential questions and issues that people have to ask. And um, you, invariably they will get to this point of, okay, if I'm going to accept the Bible, that the Bible's true and the God of the Bible is the real one. Well, how do I, you know, how do I balance this idea of God being good and there's evil and suffering in the world? Or it's a personal crisis that you, you know, you maybe all your life you have, you know, the, the all these issues have been periphery, but all of a sudden something becomes personal and you're like, wait a second, God, if you're so good and loving and kind, why am I going through this horrible ordeal? And so these are, these. this is a very real issue. I It's not a easy one to go through. Um, and, and I would even say this, the third, the, th the third person that usually asks this question, and just full disclosure, mm -hmm. you and I have seen this ourselves, is the person who's looking for an excuse to rebel against God. Yeah. Yeah. Their their heart is already hardened towards the things of God and they're looking for a way out to say, see God isn't what he says he is and they're trying to find an excuse to jump off the ship. Yeah, and boy, I'm telling you you see a lot of this on social media. Mm -hmm. Whether it's Reddit or YouTube or TikTok, there's a whole subgenre of doubters. Yeah. And and they're evangelists. They're they're looking mm -hmm. to recruit mm -hmm. others into mm -hmm. doubting, and so they they package these questions yeah. for people who are experiencing that, and then it becomes kind of a a, a rallying point. Mm -hmm. uh, God can't be good. Or yeah. Explain why this is yes. happening. Yeah, so. and and really the argument goes something like this. And and if back fifteen years ago when the when the new atheists were coming on the scene and they were very popular, um, the, the argument went like this. Either God is good and not all-powerful, or God is all-powerful and not good. Because if if you if you were good and you had are all-powerful, wouldn't you stop all suffering, right? Mm -hmm. And so the argument was this, either God is good and not all-powerful, or he's all-powerful and not good. And in either case, if that's the truth, then the God of the Bible doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And so that was the argument that, that they would always um, lay out. So I, I we have to be ready to answer that question on what, what, if God really is good and God is all powerful, then why is there evil and suffering in the world? And so it's a good question, but I, let me just start with this. I think sometimes as Christians, we get so defensive about this. What we have to remember is it's not just our religion. It's not just our faith that has to answer this question. Every religion has to. Every religion, every philosophy has to explain what is the purpose and role of evil and suffering in the world. Mm -hmm. 
Why is it here? You have to give an, you know. Where did it come from? Where did it come from? You know, you have to give a, a, a full descriptor of origin, purpose, meaning, and, and, and ultimately how will it be resolved? Yeah. And we have to begin with an assumption that we're capable of, capable of comprehending or understanding or even finding mm-hmm. the actual answer. Yes. The, the, the thing about it is, our, I mean, we should want answers. We should want absolutes, but we are finite. Yeah. And the fact that we're finite requires there to be answers yes. for which we cannot locate an answer. Yes. So when people ask you this question, I'm not asking you to get an argument, but what I would what I would say is have a pre- answer pre- prepared and ready to give, but also be willing to ask them. Say, I'll give you my answer, but I w- I'm interested in what how you explain this as well, because if whatever you believe, I want to hear why you believe there's a, you know, how, how is evil and, and suffering resolved in, in your worldview? So I think it's important that we do that. So, um, and th- there's a lot of things that, it, when I think about this answer, there's a couple things that I always like to point out. The first one is this, evil and suffering are in the world because we've sinned and rebelled against God. Mm. From the very beginning, we see the narrative of scripture says, God created everything good and beautiful. It was very good. It was in the garden. And yet we were the ones that opened up Pandora's box so that evil and suffering and pain and death were allowed into the world. And, you know, that then the question goes, well, why did God give you that choice? Well, it's because if God, in order for God to truly get what he wants, there's a deeper, there's a deeper um, ethic that God is after, and that is love. Is God good? Absolutely. Is he all-powerful? Absolutely. But what governs his goodness and governs his power is ultimately God's love. And so God's love for humanity says, I want them to have the same relationship with me. Remember, he put his likeness in the, in us. He wants us to have a relationship with him. And so in order to have a relationship, he there has to be choice. There has to be some level or opportunity to say, nope, I don't want that. In order to, to deny and reject God, you allow for the possibility of evil. And in order to allow the possibility of evil, you allow the possibility of suffering. But it's all because it makes love possible. And so you God could have created a world by which all creatures were completely, you know, um, downloaded with a predetermined activity that they always did. And they never thought about questioning whether or not they should do something or not. But instead, he put something in, in human beings with the ability to say, you know, God, I know what you're saying, but I'm going to do my own thing. And because of that, that opens up the door for allowing evil and suffering. Yeah. And I mean, this is a very complex issue because when you start tearing back the the layers and you get into the ex- existential questions, one mm-hmm. of which is how can we know anything at all? <laughs> yeah. If there wasn't the presence of evil, how would we know the presence of good? That's right. And and th- there have to be gradations because mm-hmm. we know that some things are, excuse my grammar, but I'm making a point, gooder than others. Yeah. There are things that are more pleasurable than others. That's there right. are things that are, uh, you know, and, and, and there are things that are more painful than others. That's right. Without these gradations, without these origins, Everything would be the same, and mm. and and so the, the metaphysical questions have to come into play with this, you know. And not everybody is thinking on that level. Not right, everybody is right. sophisticated enough. Totally. And a lot of times, 
the asking of the question, as you noted earlier, is reactionary. Mm-hmm. It is for someone who is anger or who is in the midst of crisis. Right. And those are generally not the best times to ask right. complex, six, complex yeah. explanations. Yeah, I think you have to really, you really got to understand where people are coming from when they're asking us. Are they genuinely seeking, mm-hmm. right? Are they genuinely hurting or are they combative? Mm-hmm. Th- those are the three possibilities that you have. I'm not really interested in debating someone who's combative, who just hates the Bible, wants to try to prove me wrong. I mean, I'll have a conversation with them, but I think we both, it's kind of like we, we, we're we like World War One digging in our trenches and we're just lobbing bombs at each other. Mm-hmm. And, and it, we're not, you're, I'm, I'm not going to change you unless God works in your heart. You're not going to change me. Um, and so why are we having this long, long debate and talk? It's the people that I think are hurting that we need to be very careful with not to turn it into apologetic what i would be really i'd be much more interested in this and answering this with a um someone who's really hurting through a personal suffering is wanting to really ask the question of even if you knew the answer would it help you that is that is so important that is so important um a lot of times people are looking for either relief mm-hmm. or they're looking for someone to blame mm-hmm. but neither one of those things are are really addressed yeah and and um, that, that's, you know, that, that whole concept mm. is a good starting place to have a conversation that may be more productive in the end for the individual who's going yeah. through loss or, yeah. or difficulty. I, I agree. And, and the, so, so you gotta be, you almost gotta be very careful not to, you know, if someone's hurting and be like, well, here's the apologetic answer. Like, yeah. Or give them an over-spiritualized answer. I've, I've literally seen people do this and they'll say, because God is glorified in your suffering. <laughs> you know? That is not the that's right not, thing to say. That's that. not a good answer he, for that is he? moment. Yes. He can be. He, he can he, be. Yeah, yeah. But, but that's not the time to like, you know, hold on brother. I mean, it's just a... Pick and choose what you say. And you want to lead with mercy, you want to lead with compassion, and you want to lead with um, with presence and comfort. That's what you want to lead with. The answers will come in time. Um, people will find their answers in time. God, if if God is, God is, if they have a relationship with God, God will lead them to the, the right end. I believe that. Um, but it's, you know, you don't have to hurry up that process for them. For the person who's genuinely searching you know i'm i'm thinking about a young person who grows up in the church they they hear this question and it's one of the first questions that really rocks them and they're like oh no how how do i answer this right you know i think you need you just encourage them listen there's so much written on this topic you know really some really smart people william lane craig you know we could go down the list of apologists that have written on this issue that you could point to and say just watch this, read this, you know, don't freak out. You don't need to worry that your faith is suddenly in jeopardy because someone asked you a question you didn't know. Um, and know that that you can trust what the Word of God says. And so, you know, just where the starting point of where people are coming from from this question I think is really important. And you said something there I think is really important for everyone to hear, and that is don't freak out if you don't have the answer. <laughs> yeah. And and you, the reality is, the answer may not be what they need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Understanding may be what they need, or they yes. may just need to hear. Yes. But but the answer, even if you gave them a great theological answer, if they're in pain, if they just experienced a huge loss, that's not going to change their circumstances. One hundred percent. And and so don't be frustrated. And and by the way, don't necessarily feel guilty or bad. Um, you, it it is okay to simply say, 
That's a great question. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people in your situation ask that question at this moment mm-hmm. in time. And I don't have an answer for you at this moment that's going to make your pain lessen. That's right. So for another day, maybe we can explore that. Yeah. For right now, how are you? Yeah. yeah. What can I do for that's you? That's good. I think that's really important. So I, I, I think it's good that we pause there and just dealt with the what I would call the incarnational issues of of this question. But a couple other things that if you are going to answer this in an apologetic way, a couple of things that the Bible makes clear. Um, if so, if love is getting back to the argument, if love is what God is really after, then God has to, at some level, for the possibility of people to come to him out from love and faith, he has to allow evil. He has to allow suffering. Because if he ended all evil and ended all suffering, he would end the potential for all humanity to, to exist. Because even if you are a follower of Jesus, you you and I still have the potential to do wicked and evil things and to cause suffering, right? So if God's going to get rid of all evil and suffering, he has to get rid of all humanity. And so for the potential, that's why it says in in um, 2 Peter chapter 3 that, that God is not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance, that God is long-suffering. He's he is willing to wait. He's willing to allow evil to continue because he desires for as many people that that he, you know, to come and to be in his presence for eternity as possible. That's what he's doing. And so in order for allow the greater good to take place, he has to withhold his hand of judgment. And what we know about all the evil and suffering, here's one of the good things that the that the Bible does teach is God's going to eventually take care of it. Like in our faith system, God eventually punishes all evil. We know that, that all the evil and suffering that's going on, the people that are causing the evil and suffering, that at one point, at at some point, they will stand before the God of heaven, ruler of heaven and earth at the great white throne of judgment, and he will pronounce judgment on whether it is humans or spirit beings, and they are going to be cast into the lake of fire. Like you don't get you don't get the sense of we might not see justice here in our lifetimes, but no one's going to get away with anything. Mm-hmm. And so even though there's evil and suffering that happens, where's God? Why isn't he acting? Well, he will act. It's not in my timing. It's not in your timing, but it's in God's timing. And sometimes he withholds his judgment until so that more can come into heaven. I think that's something um, we need to remember. The other thing that... that um, uh, we need to ex- realize is that God gives people over to their desires. Romans chapter one. Mm-hmm. Like we, if we want God to stop evil, God stop these people from sinning. God allows people. If people are like, I don't want you, God. I don't. I'm just. I'm in my personal devotions. I've been reading through First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. And in those narratives, at the end of when when the children of Israel and Judah finally go into exile, there's these summary statements, and it goes something like this. God kept sending them messengers. He kept sending them prophets. He kept sending them messages to bring them back. But the, until until they could, they, they were they were gone. It was like they couldn't do anymore. God will give them over, and you see this in the in the history of for Israel and Judah. He put them. He allowed them to experience something so that he purged the evil from their life. And sometimes he allows people to go through these things to experience and say, "No, I don't want to. I don't want to do that anymore." You know, monotheism, you know, monotheism was a major problem for the children of Israel um, prior to the exile. It's never been a problem after the exile. Hmm. 
If you think about it, yeah. it's never been an issue for them. God got it out of their system. Uh, he had to use drastic means to do that, but that's what God did. Um, and so, so those are some principles you remember. And then there's there's two more I think that that you need to remember, and and that is this: Jesus, God, the Son of God, experienced suffering and evil for our for us. You know, He understands. If you read the book of of Hebrews, is really good at this, is describing how Jesus. Um, experience the fullness of what we've experienced, yet without you know temptation and evil and suffering, yet without sin. And so, we have a God that doesn't just look at suffering from above and say, "Yeah, I'll rescue for you from that." He came down to experience it with us. He experienced the fullness of evil, the fullness of suffering, so that he can look at every human being that's ever lived on the face of this earth and say, "I know how you feel." Mm-hmm. I understand your pain. I understand your suffering. We have a God that is able to, as it says in Hebrews, sympathize with our weakness. That is a powerful statement. And to understand that that God could have looked at the evil and suffering that we caused and said, well, you're going to have to take care of that yourself. I'm not going down there to clean up your mess. His love not only withholds the punishment of evil so that more people can come to him, his love compelled him to come to us and to experience what he didn't have to experience so that you and I could be saved from the evil and suffering of our lives. And that is, if you if that does not move you, then, then you don't get the gospel. Mm. That to me is really profound. So that to me is one of the things as Christians, um, we've got to highlight the most that we have a God that do, is not distant from suffering and evil. But he intentionally came down to experience that because he loves us. Mm. So I think that's that's really important. Um, and then the last the last thing I you know that we need to remember is that God has a plan to end suffering. Yep. He does. At the end, if when you read the end of Revelation chapter twenty one and twenty two, what is God doing? He's wiping away everything that's old. He's making everything new. Um, there's that beautiful part in in that section where he says there will be no more pain, no more mourning, no more crying. There's not going to be, he says, the old things have passed away. We know that we have a God that even though evil and suffering was our fault, he took it on himself to not just rescue us, but to eventually do away with it. That there will be a day in our Christian faith system that there there will be no more evil and suffering. It's all gone. It will be taken care of. And I think that's what we got to remember. That should give us comfort. That should give us hope. That should give us an answer to understand the perspective that we need to have in the midst of a world where evil and suffering still exist. I heard it put this way that it's missing the yet factor. Yeah. Many times good. what we just don't, God has not ended pain, suffering yet. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that he hasn't is indicative of his mercy mm. because once the yet happens, then there is no chance for repentance. That's, yeah, there is the no, door shut. Yeah, it, it's it's over. So actually, the fact that there is this period in time when the consequences of sin still have reign in the universe, mm. and they have not been forever locked away, mm. is the only time that a fallen creation is going to have to be able to be reconciled with the Savior and redeemed from their sin and their That's brokenness. Right. That's right. And so, it, to that level. 
then this is also a period of mercy. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Well, Ben, your good. answers have been really helpful. And as, as you mentioned, there's multiple books uh, out there. There's mm-hmm. articles, there's podcasts. Like you literally yeah, Google this the is, question and it's, it's, it's one of the great it, philosophical It's a questions. great philosophical question. There are plenty of, of godly scholars and pastors and leaders that have written on this. Um, even C.S. Lewis, The Problem of Pain. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of great books out there that yeah, and that may be read. one of the best books uh, to read, actually, because it's endured over you know yeah. over time, yes. and it's yes. still culturally relevant because it, it's contemporary still. Yes. Yeah. So, well, as always, we appreciate you joining us for Life Talks, where we do tackle the tough questions, mm-hmm. and we have a good time doing it. We have a good time, um, uh, you know, supposing different uh, perspectives. But in the end, the Bible's always our authority. Our trust is always in God, and we can be confident by leaning into our faith. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us here at Life Talks. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit LifeCharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.